Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. I'm sure if we asked a hundred different people to describe their concept of heaven, we'd get a hundred different answers. And sadly, many have the misconception that heaven is basically a place that caters to their unfulfilled wishes in this life. A kind of place where we can forever hang out with our friends and enjoy some kind of eternal party. And while heaven is indeed a place, and it is forever, people don't realize that it is characterized by holiness and the complete absence of sin. A place where the will of God is foremost and the worship of God is paramount. Does this sound like a place that you'd like to go to? Well, not likely if you're still living under the power of sin in your life, and if you don't have the spiritual life, the eternal life required to go there. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. John Fleck gives us a little insight into the biblical description of this wonderful place, and most importantly, how you can be sure of arriving there when life is past. The book of Revelation Chapter 7, first of all, verse number 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. I'm just applying those words tonight in a special sense. And turn, please, to chapter 21. Same book, chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Verse number 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I think that's... Well, I might read a verse at the end of the chapter. Verse number 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to speak tonight a little word about heaven. Heaven. Because I think that everybody here tonight would love to be at the end of the journey of life in heaven. I think it would be very foolish indeed. I don't believe that anyone here would deliberately decide that heaven would not be your desired destiny. But 
Tonight, I hope that as we consider the subject a little and lift one or two points from the verses, that before the meeting is over, dear friends, that you will be on the way to heaven and absolutely sure that that will be your destiny for all eternity. You know, heaven is not merely a condition. Some people have tried to promote that idea that it is simply a kind of a state of mind or something like that. But we can be sure tonight that heaven is a definite location. Heaven is a place. And by the way, dear friends, hell is a place. If there is a heaven, there is just as surely a hell. And the Bible we read from and preach from clearly tells of both. If there is no hell, why do men go forth to preach? If there is no hell, why are there farewells at quaysides and airports and people leaving to go to other lands with the gospel to the perishing? Why are people praying? Why is the meeting held? It is because, my friend, that the destinies of eternity are dreadfully real. And we would love that every soul in the company tonight will finally be in heaven at last. You know, God has many ways of filling heaven. And when I say that, I don't mean that there are many grounds upon which sinners will be in heaven. But God can fill heaven from the war-torn regions and famine-stricken areas of earth tonight. He's taking little ones from the warmth of the womb straight to heaven. I hope we all believe that those in infancy are covered by the blood of Christ. He takes the young. He takes people from the sick beds of hospitals who have been wearied with illness, Christians who have lived for a long time, taking them to heaven. God has many ways of peopling that glorious abode for all eternity. And I'm glad tonight to say that all of us who are saved in the company were looking forward to the day when we first will enter into the portals of glory. Sometimes we sing those words, Once heaven seemed a far-off place, till Jesus showed his smiling face. And I remember as a boy, not saved, I was saved young. What age are you tonight? You're still not saved. But the thing that made me tremble more than anything almost was the idea of missing heaven. Must be a terrible thing to miss heaven. Bad enough to go to hell. Terrible. But in my little mind as a boy, I was more concerned about the dreadful possibility of missing heaven for all eternity. Tell me tonight, just as I pause at this point in the meeting, are you sure that you're going? Will you be there when the journey is over? You know, John Newton... The man who wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. He said some things that are memorable and quoted often, but one thing he said was this. He said, When I get to heaven, there shall be three wonders will fill my mind. The first wonder will be, I will look around heaven, and I will see people there that I never thought I would see there. You know, I do believe that. It will amaze us who will turn up in heaven. He says, the second wonder will be that I look around heaven and many that I thought would be there will be missing. I hope that's not true of anybody here. He said, the third and greatest wonder of all, that I'll be there. And many a time I bow my head and give God thanks for the grace that crossed my path and brought me into the blessings that I never deserved. It is by grace that we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. 
And here we are from many different backgrounds tonight, and yet we're going straight to heaven, and we'll soon be there. What a place it is. Whenever Richard Baxter, the Puritan, was lying on his deathbed, and the people gathered around the bed to ask him how he was, he said these words. He says, I'm almost well. I'm almost well. So much for the introduction. But I want to say a little first of all, dear friends, about the character of heaven. The character of heaven, we know there is no distress, there's no darkness, there's no despair, there's no diseases, no defilement. Heaven is a holy place. You know, I'm amazed sometimes at the way people talk about heaven. Did you ever notice that nearly everybody that dies, whether that's royalty or famous people, politicians, actors or whatever, they're all in heaven. If you're a footballer, they're playing football in heaven. But they can just do it better in heaven. You know, it's amazing the nonsense that people come up with. And they seem to think that heaven is a kind of a commons where everybody goes. It would be good if that was true, dear friend. But could I just quietly remind everybody here tonight that heaven's an intensely holy place. And you won't be there if there's one speck of sin upon your person. There is a cleansing needed for heaven. And the cleansing we need for heaven. That's why I read here in chapter 7 about those people with their robes washed white. And it's concerning those who come out of great tribulation. But the principle's true for all who will be in heaven. And did you notice that it says that they washed their robes? They themselves. It's not even that somebody else did it for them. Not in Revelation 7. I know that we have been cleansed through Christ and by the power of God. But Revelation 7 is teaching that these people exercise their own responsibility. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And we're old-fashioned tonight enough to stand under the banner of the precious blood of Christ and tell you, dear people, that there shall never be one soul in heaven apart from the blood of Christ. That sacrifice offered at Calvary for the eternal glory of God and for the blessing of every human being. That precious blood that flowed from our Savior's side as he died as our substitute, it has opened heaven's door for you. And the cleansing we need from all our defilement is available tonight through the atoning blood of our Savior. Listen to 1 John chapter 1. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And the us there are those who have received Christ. And so I ask you tonight, have you received the cleansing that you need for heaven? Among the ransomed, glad and fair, who crowns of light and glory wear, there'll not be one whose soul shall bear one trace of sin's dark sway. But as far as I'm concerned tonight, the blood of Christ has taken away my sins. I'm washed whiter than the snow. And tonight I have a title for heaven. Have you? If the Lord Jesus comes tonight, would you be going to heaven? If you died tonight, would you be ready for heaven? Oh, I tell you, dear friends, this is the biggest issue in your life, heaven. The character of it, the cleansing we need for it. Everyone at the end of the day will just be in the destiny that they choose. Same with those who perish. I don't read an awful lot of C.S. Lewis. Some things about him are a bit of a conundrum. But he did say some true things. He said, the longer I live, the more I'm convinced that the door of hell, listen to this, the door of hell is locked on the inside. What did he mean? He meant that people choose. You know the way we hear all the time that a God of love won't send people to hell. I don't so much say to people that God sends people to hell. 
I just say that people choose to go to hell themselves. That's just what they choose. Lewis said that the door of hell was locked on the inside. People make that the destiny of their choice. Dear friend, tonight, please don't do it. We dread to think that anyone here will ever miss heaven and go to that awful place where hope will never come and no gospel is ever preached and no prayers are ever answered. Please, in God's name tonight, don't die in your sins. Heaven is open. The choice is yours to be there. You're listening to Anchor Point with evangelist Mr. John Fleck and a message entitled Heaven and How to Get There. If you'd like to have a copy of this message, just email us at email at anchorpointradio.com or call us or text us at 226-868-3945. Anchor Point can also be heard at the same time on the internet at faithfm.org. Just go to the Faith FM webpage and click on the Listen Live button. Now let's return as Mr. Fleck concludes his message. Let me say a little here just now as we pursue the subject and quickly close the meeting. You know, there's going to be a great chorus in heaven. I like singing, and I like to hear good singing. There's something thrills my soul about singing. It's marvelous how God has put a singing voice into people and that he ever devised and put together our constitution in such a way that we can actually bring into song a melody, expressions, and words. Do you know that the greatest singing of all will be in heaven? Some of us are a bit croaky and a bit out of tune now, but all that will be fixed when we get to the golden shore. Thank God there'll be nobody out of tune then. We'll all be in harmony, and I don't know what language they'll sing in, but I'm glad to tell you that there'll be a theme and a tune and a language that God knows himself. And I'm glad that my voice will join in the company and while the songs of earth go past and get out of date and the church change all the time, the song of heaven will be the unified unending theme of praise to the Lamb of God. The only song in that blessed place is Thou art worthy, Thou alone. Nobody strutting around heaven talking about how good they did or how well they lived. Nobody going around heaven saying that they were good church people and good livers in their community, and gave a lot to charity. And we really did our best, and we lived by the golden rule. Friend, tonight, listen. We are all lost sinners, guilty before God. We can't even lift our head. We're defiled. And apart from the blood of Christ, the whole lot of us will be in hell for all eternity. It is only by His mercy and grace that we'll land on that golden street and sing the praise of the Lamb for all eternity. Tell me tonight, will your voice join in the song of heaven? One of the things that makes me very sad is that some of the greatest singers on earth will never join with all their gift of singing and the powerful ways in which they could hit their notes. You know, great tenor, when he was dying, he left a little note on the side of his bed, just on the little table. He said, I'm about to hang up like the old Irish minstrels hanging up their harp. It says, My singing days are over. I remember the great opera nights and concerts, and they're only a memory. And he added these touching words at the last. He said, My songs are all sung. My songs are all sung. Oh, dear friend, tonight I hope 
that all the singing you'll do about heaven is not here. It's amazing to me how people can sing in a gospel meeting, sing like thrushes, and not a hope for eternity. You would think that all was well, and they join with us in their lovely melodious voices, and they don't know Christ as their Savior. Dear friends, tonight change it all, will you? And before you put your head on the pillow tonight, be a saved soul through trusting alone in Christ. There's going to be a great chorus in heaven. I was going to say something about the circle in heaven, and I'm talking about the family circle. That comes close to us all, doesn't it? I remember as a little boy singing and playing that old record, There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms you often miss. When you close your earthly story, will you join them in their bliss? Will the circle be unbroken by and by in the better home awaiting in the sky? Is your circle complete tonight? Maybe there's somebody here and you're the only one in your family that's not saved. And if the Lord comes tonight and all the redeemed are taken home to heaven, you're the only one left. You're the only link in the chain that's broken. How sad that is. One of the first thoughts that came into my mind whenever our first little girl was born. Two thoughts as I made my way home. Number one, I thought about the poverty and the lowly surroundings that were involved in the birth of the Lord Jesus. No equipment at hand, no nursing care, just Mary bringing forth her firstborn son. What a contrast. I was glad for all the medical assistance. The second thought that came into my mind was this. We now have a child that will be somewhere for all eternity. Where will you be, dear friend? Maybe there's someone here tonight concerned about your soul, and you wouldn't like to miss it. You're dreadfully afraid of it. Oh, I would pray in God's name tonight that God would come near to your soul, and that you would not only long for heaven, but start on the way to heaven. There was a man in our country. He was a mature man when he got saved, but his daughter was concerned about her soul. His daughter, this man, knew nothing about the gospel. He was an orange man. Some of you might know what an orange man is. Not saved. And his daughter was so distressed about her soul and concerned that he was praying for her. He was getting down on his knees and praying that God would show her the way of salvation. And he wasn't saved himself. And just while he was on his knees praying that God would show his daughter the way, this verse came into his mind. I am the way. And do you know the man got saved? But I'm only showing you how simple God's way of salvation. You do not need weeks of anxiety to be saved. And you don't need to go off your food and leave your work and miss school. Why? Because the work that saves is finished. Don't be adding to what Christ has done. That's the greatest fallacy I have ever heard. Listen, dear friends, when Christ died on the cross, everything that God demanded to take you to heaven was paid in full. And now tonight, the way to be saved is to believe on him. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And heaven will be your home for all eternity. Please don't perish in view of an open way to heaven and a Savior who loves you and gave himself for you. May God lead you tonight to Christ to trust in him. Jesus, I will trust thee. Trust thee with my soul. Guilty, lost, and helpless, thou canst make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like thee. 
Thou hast died for sinners. Therefore, Lord, for me. Believe it, take it in, and God will do the saving. May it be so. Well, as you've heard, the Lord Jesus Christ is the central focus of heaven and the entire reason that anybody will be there at all. There will be nobody in heaven boasting of how they managed to get there by their own religious observances or their better-than-average way of life. It is through Christ alone that sinners can be saved and fitted for heaven, all through his atoning death on the cross of Calvary. So are you sure of being in heaven? Well, you can be. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>